Hello, I'm Carrie Ann. Welcome to another service with Pastor Ray Dieter at Grace Baptist Church. Please check out our website, gbcevansville.org. There, you'll find videos of our youth and children's services, daily devotions, and other ministries our church has to offer. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings for an in-person service where we'll practice social distancing and follow safety guidelines. Now, let's hear what Pastor Ray has to say. I'd never noticed that till this morning. Uh, one of my favorite stories is a, one of our Southern Baptist missionaries who works with the deaf uh, in Southeast Asia. And they went to a country where there had been no missionary presence uh, Southern Baptists had been there after a great uh, typhoon and done some work uh, in this Islamic country and it prepared the way for missionaries to kind of come into the country. And the missionary that worked with the deaf and, and her partner, the two of them, uh, the other lady missionary, they uh, went out to a village where they knew there were several deaf people. And they found a young deaf man and they communicated to him that they wanted to have a meeting and talk to them about Jesus. And the deaf man signed back, are you here to tell us about the God of the book? We have heard of the God of the book, but we do not know him. Now think about that for a moment. That is a great definition of who God is. He is the God of the book. We've talked the last three Sundays about th things that every Christian should be thankful for. Number one, God's unchangeable nature. I'm thankful in the midst of a changing world where everything just seems to change on an hourly basis. It seems sometimes that God stays the same. Second, God's perfect plan of salvation. I'm glad that my salvation does not depend on me. I don't earn it. I don't gain it. It comes as a gift from Him. Therefore, I cannot lose it because it's not mine. In a sense, it's His. He has given it to me freely through grace. And the third thing is, I am thankful for this book, which is God's Word. Hear what Isaiah says. This is God speaking to Isaiah. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? And here's what the voice said. All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. I kind of like the King James a little better there. The word there they, is the word of the Lord endures forever. Uh, great, uh, that means it does not change. It remains the same. Everything else can change, but not the word of God. One of the problems that we face as the modern church is there are those who would update the message of the gospel in a way that they think is more palatable, for easy to swallow for people who are lost or not Christians. Oswald Chambers said this, we must never confuse our desire for people to accept the gospel with creating a gospel that is acceptable to the people. I have no problem with modern translations. My oldest son reads the message. And he enjoys that, and that's what he can get the most out of the Scripture as the Holy Spirit leads him. But what I do have a problem with is those who will change what the gospel 
says, what the Scripture says. Well, it was sin in the Old Testament, but it's not sin. Now we're more enlightened than that, and it's all right for these things to go on. That's not what the book says. When it says something is a sin, it means it's a sin then, now, and forever. And, and, and it is enduring in that it does not change. It, it, I love it because it's a book of Revelation. I, I'm going to go back to Hebrews 1, 3. We were there last Sunday a little bit, but it's one of my favorite passages. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, uh, it is, a, as we said last Sunday, it's a, this, uh, it's a Christological passage. It's a great description of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and here's what the writer of Hebrews said. My Hebrews is hooked to my Philemon. Uh, God, who at various times in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Here's, here, here's what he's, he's saying. He's trying to express the fact that God has never, never been hiding. He came to Adam and Eve. He spoke to Adam and Eve. He walked in the garden before sin with Adam and Eve. He went and found a man named Abram, and he made him Abraham that the people might be blessed. He reached out time and time again. Isaiah, with the prophet that we read this morning, he spoke to him. And he revealed his sin to him. And then he said, Isaiah, I need somebody to go tell all these things to the people. Who shall I send? And Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. He has never, ever been trying to hide himself. There was a great uh, uh, misunderstanding in the early church. There was a group called the Gnostics. And they said there was special need, knowledge that some people have about the gospel, but other people don't have it. That is, that, that's a lie straight from uh, the devil himself. Uh, he has always been reaching out to man, extending his love and his kindness to man and his mercy that we might find forgiveness for our sins. He has received, revealed himself. He's uh, first, second Peter, by the way, I think the outline says first Peter, but it's second Peter one. Uh, here's what Peter wrote. And so we have the prophet word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. He said, listen, listen the Word of God shines into your heart that you might come to know God. It, that, that is the purpose of it. He's revealing Himself, and it, it, it is bringing light into the life even of the unbeliever when they listen to it and read it and hear it, that they might be convicted of sin and come to know God. Knowing this first, that no prophet of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. He said, look, these are, aren't just a bunch of guys that wrote something down. They were moved by the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. He moved in their lives, and he directed them. Everybody wrote like themselves. Paul wrote like Paul writes. Peter wrote like Peter would write. But they wrote as God directed, as His light shined into their heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in that sense, uh, Scripture is what we call God-breathed. Remember, 
when Adam and Eve were cre created and it said God breathed into them the breath of life, He has breathed into mankind His Word, His Scripture, that we might use it. And we're going to get to the purposes of it in just a moment. But it is His intention that as He does that, He reveals Himself to us. He, he reveals His holiness. As we read the Scripture, we see that God is separate and above all things. He is holy. There's no shadow of turning with Him. There's no darkness in Him. He is, as we said a couple Sundays ago, the same yesterday, today, and forever because He is God. He is perfection. Uh, even when He became a man and dwelt among us, the Scripture says that Jesus was tempted as we all are, but He did not give in to the temptation. He did not yield. And as He reveals His holiness, His holiness reveals our sin. You know, a lot of people live in the world of comparative theology. I'm just as good as this guy. I'm just as good as that guy. I'm as good as any of those people that go there to church on Sunday morning. The problem is we're not compared to that guy. We're not compared to this guy. We're not compared to the people that go to that church on Sunday morning. We are compared to the perfection of Jesus Christ. And we come up completely, absolutely, positively short. No one reaches the standard that he set. He was without sin. And so as we see the holiness of God, it reveals to us, oh my goodness, uh, I'm a sinner. Uh, the great preacher Jerry Vines, I heard him one time talk about being saved at 15 years old. And he said, the only thing I could think that I did a lot of was I read, I read a lot of comic books and I didn't read the Bible. But he knew at 15, compared to God and God's standard, he was lost. And so he reveals his holiness. He reveals our lostness. In the midst of that, he reveals sin's remedy. The Bible's a book of redemption. It, it is on every page. W.A. Criswell called it the great scarlet, scarlet thread that ties all Scripture together. From the book of Genesis where the fall is and, and, and man falls and God speaks to the serpent and Satan and he said there's going to be a continual war between you and you will bruise the heel of man but man will crush your head. And he was talking in the first prophecy about our Lord and Savior that he would come, die on a cross, but he would be triumphant over Satan. Uh, it moved on to Exodus and Deuteronomy where God gave the law to reveal his standard. And the purpose of his standard is to reveal our shortcomings and our sin. Uh, he never expected anybody to be able to live up to his commandments. It's just not possible for us to do. But the idea was that when he reveals what is true, what is holy, what is right, and we realize we cannot live up to that standard, we will turn in our sinfulness to holy God that he might save us out of that sinfulness. His purpose was uh, to do that. And all those offerings that were brought uh, did not remove sin, but they pointed to the glory of Jesus Christ on the cross and the wonder of his resurrection through that, there was sin's remedy. In the history books, he reveals that redemptive process. It is a story of Abraham's people all the way through Kings and Chronicles and Samuel, Kings and Chronicles, revealing how God is active in the midst of that, bringing about his plan that one day will be full, fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In the prophets, he called on man to repent. 
by the way, that is not a concept that is solely found in the prophets. If you go to the Scripture, it says Jesus came preaching repentance. And in the prophets, God is speaking out to the nation Israel, and He's saying, I love you with a love that is pure and sure, but you have turned from me. And He calls upon on them. He says, you must return to me. You must repent and come back to me. And he warns them. He says, there is a price for non-repentance. And Israel paid that price. Uh, in the wisdom literature, God calls on man to return to him. And he reveals himself further in all his glory. In the book of Job, you know, Job goes through everything. His friends come. They've got really bad bad uh, advice. And in the end, Job repents and he says, I'm, I'm an unholy man, but only God is holy. And he is above all things. And he repented in sackcloth and ashes. Uh, the New Testament, or let, let's go back to prophets. We talked about that or about repentance. Then the New Testament. Uh, he reveals God's final, ultimate, complete Solution for sin. For God so loved the world. Think about that for a minute. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now there's the God of the book right there. The Gospel in one verse. You ought to have that memorized. And understand in that verse is a revelation of God's final solution to the sin problem. No more offerings at the altar in the temple. The offering has been made and complete in the sacrifice of God's own Son. Own Son. And He calls us to relationship. He reaches out to us. He calls men to preach the gospel. He calls missionaries to go to foreign countries, but he calls each and every believer to come into a relationship with him that is real and personal. Your relationship to Jesus is unique and not the same as mine because your experiences are unique and not the same as mine. We are saved the same way by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross and, and uh, by admitting we're a sinner and believing that He died for us and accepting Him and confessing Him as Lord. But our experiences are all different. There are people who will listen to you, who are watching you, who don't even know me. And if they did, they wouldn't listen to me. And they wouldn't, well, they might watch because I do things silly like fall up, up the, you ever see anybody fall up steps before? <laughs> That's pretty hard to do. Yeah, Doug, he's saying, yeah. yeah. He wants us to be in a relationship with Him uh, where you talk with Him every day. Every day. Through prayer, through the study of God's Word. And it's His plan for eternity. He reveals, as we look at the book of Revelation, that He's going to triumph over all evil in the end. He's going to be victorious. And I'm here to tell you, you want to be on the winning side. 
It's a book of instruction. Go to 2 Timothy 3.10. I know something's wrong here. Oh, there it is. I'm going to skip down to, in the interest of time, I'm going to skip down to 3.14. Paul's writing to Timothy, a second generation Christian, and he said, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. First, I want to say something about that. Now, this is my favorite, Timothy was my fa- grandmother's favorite character in the Bible because uh, his, his mother, Eunice, and that was her name. Uh, and so I've often thought about this verse, uh, from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. When he was little, his mom and his grandmother began to teach him the Bible. Amen. They didn't wait till he was a teenager. They didn't wait till he was a grown man. When he was small, they spoke to him from God's Word. Uh, Joanna, from the time our children were small, the stories she told them were from the Bible. And she taught them from the Bible. And I'm here to tell you, if you're a parent or grandparent, uh, the best gift you can give your child is bring Scripture into their life. And impress upon them how important and life-changing it is. They may be small, they may not, but the seed that is planted and watered will grow. Um, here's where, here, we, here we come. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God may complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Bible is a book of revelation, it is a book of redemption, and it is a book of instruction. <clears throat> My favorite preacher, Adrian Rogers, once said, man only has three problems, sin, sorrow, and death. The Bible is the only book that has the answer for all three. So what's he say to Timothy? Paul says to Timothy, doctrine. Uh, Doctrine is to know what to believe. To know what to believe. I I was uh, organizing an association meeting once when I was a uh, uh, moderator of a different association before I came here. And we were talking, and one of the ladies on the committee, I said, you know, we have an annual mission sermon, and we have an annual doctrine sermon. And I said, I I think so-and-so should preach the doctrine sermon. And she said, I don't know why we need a doctrine sermon. We're all Christians, and we know all about it. And I thought, that's why we need a doctrine sermon. You know, I've been a Christian for 60 years, and there's still things I learn as I study God's Word and see things different and more clearly and, and more abundantly, and inf- I'm influenced more powerfully in my personal life as I look at those things, because what the Scripture tells us is what to believe. Uh, we as uh, Baptists, I guess, are not really uh, uh, confessional. We don't have a confessional we recite every Sunday, because our confessional is found here. It's found in the Baptist faith and message. If you don't have a copy of that, uh, talk to me. I'll get you a copy. Everything there is based on what we believe, and we believe it because of what God said. We be, what we believe about the family, 
what we believe about sexuality, what we believe about uh, uh, the government, what we believe about everything is based on what God's Word says. And that's, that's the test to, to be a cooperating Southern Baptist church. You have to believe in the Baptist faith and message. And it is a statement based on what God has said. Uh, doesn't need any interpretation. It's just very plain. Uh, reproof. That helps us know what, to not, what not to believe. In the New Testament, you find Paul and Peter, uh, they're warning. They said, they're going to be people coming preaching and stuff that is not true because it's not Scripture-based. It may make you feel good, may make you feel special, but it is not the Word of God. Therefore, so it serves no abundant eternal purpose in your life. Uh, and, and it is import, important for us to, to know that. You know, I, uh, I used to have a fellow that would come up with some ideas, and he, he, he had some strange ideas, and I would, I would always tell him, well, you show me that where it says that in Scripture. Sometimes he'd come and bring, and he'd have a verse, but it would be, be taken clear out of context, and it didn't fit at all, you know. Uh, it, it, and and uh, uh, Scripture tells us what not to believe. There's a lot of things that sound pretty good. We love everybody, but we still tell people about sin. We love everybody, but we still people want to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We love everybody, but we know that God can work a change in destroyed and desperate lives by His power. And so we tell the truth, uh, and we speak against untruths. And the Scripture helps us do that. Uh, I also served one time where I had a deacon body that had a fellow in it that had some strange ideas. I don't know how he ever got a, to be a deacon. He became a deacon before I got there. But I had one little old deacon in there that was almost 90 years old, and this fellow would say something, and the deacon would flip through the Scripture, and he'd find a place that says, what you're saying is sounds good, but it's not what God would have us do. Uh, correction, and that leads into this, uh, to learn what to do. To learn what to do. There are certain things in the Christian life that we need to do. We need to be completely absolutely committed to Jesus Christ. Number one, above all things, because when He's number one above all things, He colors our relationship in all other areas of our life. He affects our life with our family. He affects our life with our friends. He affects our life in the workplace, and He makes things different. Uh, and, and it is not enough to believe Belief has to be put in action. Yeah? You know, what's the Scripture say? You know, if I, if I don't have love, then it's like a tinkling cymbal or, or, or noisy brass. But I have to put my love in action. And, and so uh, what it does, it, it tells us what we should and shouldn't do. Correction is, you don't do this. Uh, I did a, I'm trying to be careful here. I did a, a service once for a couple who were uh, 
celebrating her 25th wedding anniversary. And I knew him through a business connection. And he asked, he said, we're having a party. And he said, you know, we don't have a church connection. Would you come and uh, perform our renewal of our vows? And I said, sure. So we went to, and uh, had the renewal of our vows. And then afterwards, they had a reception. And I, I, I'm telling you, the champagne was flowing. Uh, and uh, he came to me and he said, this, I've got a place and some folks for you to sit over here, uh, you and your wife, during the reception. And we went there and sat down. And at our table, they had uh, sparkling apple juice instead of booze. He knew that we wouldn't drink the booze. So he had arranged to have the apple juice. Now, to me, that speaks a lot because uh, I, I would tell you later, he was saved and I'm thankful for that. He's become a believer in Jesus Christ. But you see, there, when we live by the standard of behavior that the Scripture teaches, and there are things that we will do, that, that, that's the instruction in righteousness, and things we won't do, that's the correction, lost people take notice. Lost people take notice. And I would tell you also, believers take notice. Uh, I told the story here one Sunday. I was first, I hadn't been here very long. And I thought I was on a street that went through and it didn't. It's a street just north of Diamond, whatever that street is. And I decided I better turn around. And so I pulled into the parking lot to turn around and I looked at in and I had pulled into the parking lot of the exotic She Lounge. <laughs> yeah. I thought, boy, I hope nobody saw that. So I thought about that and I talked to Rick Porter and he said, Pastor, I'd just get up and tell, tell people Sunday. So I made it a part of the sermon on Sunday. I talked about, uh, you, you know, and then I'd wound up in the parking lot of the exotic she lounge and I hope nobody saw that because they would get the wrong opinion. By the way, the other side of that story was uh, Roy Givens worked in our food pantry. And I went down on Monday morning to pray with the folks in the food pantry. And Roy says, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. He said, privately. I said, well, sure. I didn't know him very well. I hadn't been here very long. He took me in a private room down there. And he says, pastor, is there anything you want to talk about? And I said, no. He said, pastor, would you like me to pray for you? I said, well, absolutely. He says, is there anything in your life you think I need to pray about? And I said, well, no, I, I don't know. He said, well, I wasn't going to say anything, but the other day I saw your car at the exotic she lounge. <laughs> and then I heard laughter from the other side of the door. The whole, everybody in the food pantry was standing out there listening to this. He, he, you talk about, I, I fell for that hook, line, and sinker. But here's what I'm telling you. Be careful where you are and what you do and what you say, especially if you have children or grandchildren because they're watching. Uh, uh, the story of the little boy, they had uh, people for evening dinner, and they're all sitting around the table, and his dad says, I tell you what let's do, we're going to ask little Billy to pray. And little Billy says, boy, I don't know, Dad, what I do. He said, just say something like you've heard your mother say. And Billy said, dear Lord, why did we invite all these people? You know, they, they are listening and they're watching, so you've got to be, you gotta be careful. It, 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 instruction of what to do and what not to do. 
And let me tell you this, Paul writes about that. There are some things that, it, that it's not wrong to do, but we don't do them because they're perceived as wrong. Do you understand me? If somebody, Charlie Wolfinger tells a great f story of his mother wanted a brain sandwich. And Charlie said, well, I know where to get it. Well, the, the place that got it was, had a bad reputation and was a, ta a tavern. And Charlie says, well, I'll take your car, Mom, and go get you a brain sandwich. And she said, I don't want my car parked in front of that place because people might think I'm in there. The point is that you have to be different. And it is no fun being different. It is difficult being different. There are times when you think, man, I wish I could have done that or I wish I should do that. But God re rewards difference. And He blesses those who walk in His path as instructed by His Word. Doctrine, what to believe, reproof, what not to believe, correction, what to do, what not to do, excuse me, instruction, uh, what to do. Listen, I, the first time I ever preached, I was 15 years old. And we were having youth Sunday at our church. And they had never done that before, but for some reason, the youth director said, Ray, would you bring the message next Sunday? I've talked to Pastor Jewel, and he said, it's all right. Would you bring the message next Sunday? I went home and I talked to my dad. And it happened that that summer, he had bought me a brand new Bible. I still have that Bible. It's been rebound twice. It can't be rebound anymore. Uh, and uh, I went home and after church, we were at home, and I said, Dad, you, uh, did you see me talking to uh, Miss Culler this morning? He said, yeah. I said, well, she asked me to preach next Sunday. My dad says, go get your Bible. So I went and got that King James Bible, and I brought it back, and my dad laid his hand on that Bible, and he said, everything you need to know to preach next Sunday is right there, right there. I preached a sermon on Jesus before Pilate, and what will you do with Jesus? And for all those years, I read commentaries, I read study Bibles, but that has always held true. Everything you need to prepare to preach the Word of God is found in Amen. the Word of God. Everything you need to find salvation, everything you need to live a life that is full and free, everything you need to bring you through Jesus Christ into eternity is right here Amen. in the enduring, unchanging Word of God. The flower fades, the grass withers, God's breath blows upon it, and His breath blows upon all of us, and we fade, and we disappear. But His Word endures forever. And if it endures in our heart, when we fade and disappear from this life, we join Him Amen. in the next. Our Heavenly Father, we thank for the power and the authority of Your Word. Pray that we've done it justice this morning. We thank You for it, that You are a God who is not healing or not hiding, that You are a God who heals, heals us physically, emotionally, but most of all, spiritually, and that you bring into our life 
through your word the conviction of sin. And as the Holy Spirit uses your word, you bring us to understand. We thank you that you're the God of the book. Amen. We're going to sing an invitation hymn, and you're here, and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. I invite you to do it. Hello, I'm Carrie Ann. Welcome to another service with Pastor Ray Dieter at Grace Baptist Church. Please check out our website, gbcevansville.org. There, you'll find videos of our youth and children's services, daily devotions, and other ministries our church has to offer. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings for an in-person service where we'll practice social distancing and follow safety guidelines. Now, let's hear what Pastor Ray has to say.